Today on The Wired Homeschool, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Michael Prince from Because Family. We talked about getting any devices that you're giving to your kids ready for them to use safely so that they're ready to use when they receive them for the holidays. That's coming up on The Wired Homeschool. Hello and welcome to The Wired Homeschool. I'm your host, John Wilkerson, bringing you tech tools and tips for homeschooling a digital generation. Michael and I got together a few weeks ago to do a Facebook Live video where we talked about getting devices ready for the holidays if you're giving any away, getting them ready for your kids so that you're sure that they're safe and they're ready to use when the kids unwrap them. It's really important that the gifts that we give to our kids, especially if they're devices that are internet connected, are safe for them to use. They've got the right filter set up according to your family's needs. And so we just wanted to share some basic tips with you on how to get those devices ready. Before we get into that conversation, I want to talk to you about my sponsor, Code Apprentice. If you're a high school student or a parent of a high school student who is interested in a career in tech, you probably know that learning how to code is important. Perhaps you've heard that most tech companies hire software developers who don't have a college degree just as long as they have the skills. While there are many ways to learn how to code, coding is still complicated and it's hard to know what languages to learn and the steps to take to get a job in tech. Code Apprentice provides online coding education for high school students with one-on-one mentoring from professionals who work at companies like Facebook and eBay. Students who enroll learn the valuable skills that software companies are looking for and are given the personalized guidance they need to confidently pursue a career in tech after graduation. You can learn more or apply at codeapprentice.tech/wiredhs. If you use that link and you mention that you heard about it on the podcast, you'll receive $120 off of your first semester. That's codeapprentice.tech/wiredhs and thanks again to Code Apprentice for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Like I said, Michael and I have some tips for you. If you're giving internet connected devices to your kids for Christmas, I think these are going to, this conversation is going to be very useful to you. And I'll talk to you on the other side. Michael, I've got you on. We're going to, I've had you on several times and we have talked about internet safety and it's, it's that time again, it's that time of the year where people are either parents are getting new devices and they're handing down old ones to their kids or grandma's buying something for the kids or the parents are buying something from the kids. And we want to make sure that those devices are safe, uh, safe for our kids. And they're really, they're ready to use when they get unwrapped from under the tree, right? Because nothing, nothing is worse than handing, giving your kid a gift and saying, now wait, mommy and daddy need to make sure this thing is safe for you before you could use it. So we want to get We want to get ahead of that. So, so parents have a little bit of information um, before we get into any any details, you've got a number of guides over at Because Family. Can can you just share where where people can find those guides? Yeah, at uh, safe.becausefamily.org. Um, I have tutorials there. On I've actually got a whole section on the menu up at the top of the website where you can see all the tutorials, and you can just see where I've done tutorials in the past, what they are. They'll populate there every time I do a new one. 
I've done tutorials on guided access for iPhone and iPad. I've done tutorials on setting up things like accountability software. Uh, and then I've got a whole series that I'm doing now where it's called uh, Let's Research. And I'm just literally going through all the different, uh, a bunch of the different parental control options and statistics and data and just learning about what they do, what they offer, and just kind of giving my thoughts on if I think they're a good idea for your for your family, if they're worth the money, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that offers all these great things that your phone already does on its own, uh, but right. they want to charge you 12 bucks a month for it. Uh, so I try to help uh, bridge that gap where you, you, you know, you know, um, you can know that what they're offering isn't anything more than what you can just do if you know how, you know, so. Yeah. So yeah, that's so all it. Safe.becausefamily.org, safe. right? Yeah. Safe.becausefamily.org is the uh, the tech safety tech blog that uh, that I do and all that's on there. Okay. So let's start out with um, minimum uh, parents buy a device. What's the very first thing they should do before they even think about wrapping that thing up? All right. Assuming your child is, you know, younger, I'm going to say under 16. This is going to be basically my rule. Um, I would say you get the internet filter, the, the built-in internet filter turned on first thing. Um, and now on an iPhone, you go and screw it. On an Android, you're going to use Family Link and use the Google Safe Search. But um, you go in and you get that set up first thing. If you're using Family Link, you get your account set up and then theirs. And you go in and get all that stuff set. Um, then I would, I would go ahead and look at all of the settings in iOS, all those settings and the restrictions on how to set the ages for the apps they can look at, the music they can listen to, the videos, it's all right there in one place. Uh, if you go to the screen time area of the phone, of the iPhone now, that's where it's located, where restrictions is located. And I would go there and look at all that and, um, you know, change the settings as you see fit for the age of your child. Uh, and then on Android, you can do a similar thing where you go in and turn on uh, different controls in the app store and different things like that. And that's available on Chromebook too, Android family link. Right. You can do it on that as well. So yeah. Yeah. The first thing so, I do is just go look at all that. Yeah. And just so people know, uh, as far as managing a device on Android, it has to be Android 5.1 or higher in order Correct. for family link to work. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, apparently there is, there's an iOS version of Family Google Family Link as well. Uh, I guess yes. it's just more for just kind of monitoring type things for for parents to monitor things. Uh, so if, right. if you parents can set all the wanted controls. to do a do a belt and belt and suspenders type deal, <laughs> where you know yeah. they're turning on the features in iOS and adding <laughs> an extra yeah. layer, they they could do that as they could do that as well there. Right. Um, so so the parents they've got their device set up. Um, let, let's just assume that it's the first time their child is, is getting a device. Um, what would, what would you advise the, the conversation about the device? I mean, obviously they're going to need to have a conversation about how to use this device. Um, what are some right. talking points that you would recommend? Let's <clears throat> say for, an 11, 12, 13 year old child that's, that's getting a, an internet connected device for the first time. I think the first thing would be to once, if you've established the boundaries you'd like to set with them, 
discuss your personal boundaries with them. One of ours is the kids don't take the devices into their beds with them ever. And so they may have them in their rooms sitting on a separate across the room for music or something, but they don't have the device in their bed. So that's a standard that we've set. And the consequences for if we find you with it in your bed, discuss that. And then I always recommend discussing the reason for your boundaries. So you're you, not only are you telling your kid, OK, you're going to have this phone and this is going to be the rules for your phone. But you're saying here are the rules and here's why we have these rules. There are people out there who want to get a hold of you and your information for reasons that we don't approve of. There are websites and things out there that are inappropriate for kids your age and want to teach you things we don't agree with, you know, in whatever way you frame it. Give them the why as well as the what, you know, and what we're doing for you, why we're doing it and what the consequences are if it's if it's not respected, if the boundaries aren't respected. So we're, we're giving these children these these devices uh, there. Our kids are, are more connected than than we ever were as kids. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm 10 years older than you. <laughs> is that is that right? Are we ten years apart? Is that what we figured? I'm thirty five. Yes, we're ten years apart. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and, and I have a grandson now, and I'm thinking like down the road when my kid is going to be, when my grandson is going to be old enough to have a device. I mean, what good grief? What's it? What is it going to be like then, as far as connectivity? Right. Uh, we already right. feel like we're constantly connected. What are some tips that you have for parents? Right. They're getting them this device. Their kids are going to want to use it constantly mm -hmm. now. Hey, I finally yeah. got a smartphone. I finally got a tablet. What are some of the, what's some advice that you would have for these kids, for the, for parents to say to their kids, uh, look, no, you can't use this constantly. You're, you're not going to be uh, constantly on this texting or, or whatever the case may be. Again, I'll say, explain the why. What's and, and, and I recommend using the discussion or having the term healthy as the, the main part of the discussion, not right or wrong or bad or good. But, hey, it's not healthy for you to be looking at a screen before you go to sleep. Try to go to sleep for for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And there's reasons out there and they're safe. .org. I've discussed a lot of the reasons in different blog posts um, and there's other research out there you can find. So the why, obviously, also um, telling them that. Um, that or telling them why, but also setting different screen time limits using using software or hardware to do that so that it's not an emotional conversation. It's just something that happens when when the when the apps that use social media on my kids iPad, like Facebook Messenger kids, when the 30 minute time limit is up, it just stops connecting. And I, they can ask me what they want, but I can be like, well, that's because you ran out of time. Circle, circle disconnected it because you hit your 30 minutes, you know, which circle is meetcircle.com. You can learn all about what that does. And so you, you, it, it, it's not the deep, the, the sad conversation or the, or the frustrated conversation of you going in and saying, hey, it's time to be done. And then go, but I want to keep going, but it's time to be done, but I want to keep playing. You know, if they're playing Fortnite. If they're doing whatever and the data connection or the Wi-Fi connection stops. Right. 
you didn't come in and have that conversation. Now they can come start a conversation with you and argue, but you're going to, it's just so much easier for me to know. It's easier for me to trust that software to disconnect them than it is for me to trust myself to go, ding, 30 minutes is up and go in right. there and start having that conversation with them, especially with the, the working from home and, and all that. I'm enjoying them being busy. <laughs> like I'm, you know, <laughs> to be honest, I'm getting laundry folded or I'm getting a blog post written or I'm getting audiobook narrated or I'm doing whatever. So if they're done, I'm, I may give them 15 more minutes than I would really like for them to have or than I think is healthy, but that software won't. And so right. I can go in there, keep my, keep my standard with the help of that software. And it's so easy to use and set up now uh, that I, I think anybody can really use something, whether it's unglue or circle or screen time on iOS. And there's some options for family link to do similar things as well. So use something and let it take the emotion and the drama out of that time when they've run out of, of, of their given time for it, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about gaming consoles. I think a lot of parents don't realize that there are parental controls in gaming yeah. consoles. Um, so that when, uh, Jimmy or Susie brings home, uh, you know, a rated, uh, 17 plus game or whatever, whatever the rating M right. Rated M for mature yeah. game. And they pop that thing in the system. Guess what? It's not going to launch. Uh, because right. because of the rating on that on that game, so so there's a, a lot of different consoles out there, and, and we don't want to go through the settings of of, of every single yeah. every single one of them. Uh, but but let's just go with the Nintendo Switch. You know, uh, maybe okay. may, maybe last year uh, they the parents didn't want to go through the lines or the waiting or to try and get a Nintendo Switch last year, but they're getting one this year. Getting one this year, uh, yeah. So uh, do you have a, a guide for the Nintendo Switch or would you just recommend that they head on over to Nintendo's website on how to set up those parental controls? That's what I recommend. I honestly, uh, I don't have a gaming console. We have a Sega Genesis at my house <laughs> and my kids play Sonic and Troy Aikman's 1998 football. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, and part of that is affording one and the other part of it is just getting into that rabbit hole of wanting yeah. to play video games all the time. Uh, my son's saving up. He's got a job right now and he's saving up for an Xbox, but uh, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I'd recommend going to the, uh, the Nintendo website and learning how to set up the parental controls there. Um, I, I will say that be the, the, something to pay attention to is almost always to my knowledge, Nintendo won't be any different when you go to set up, the device is you want to set yourself as the primary account on the device on that console because I've helped people set up their Xboxes before and they had to remove their child's profile and all of the achievements that child had gotten oh. had to go away in order to do it at a later date because the, the, the main account controls all the parental controls and if your kid has the main account then you're, you're wasting time putting the controls on there because they can just go change them. So, yeah, that's one tip I'll say for sure is make sure you've logged on there and get, given the account, the primary account to yourself. Even if you never go on there and play the games, 
you've done that. Another thing I'll say is that now I think this number is 57% of games are now purchased through the in-game app store, the on-console app store, and downloaded, not even purchased at the store to, right. uh, you know, to buy. And so I would say uh, be aware of that, too, that if you don't set up the parental controls in there, they're going to be able to a lot of times go in and just buy whatever games they want, you know. And so whether you use your credit card to control that or whether you use, you know, credit card access or whatever, make sure you're setting that up uh, through your account so that you're controlling what purchases can be made, what age groups they can buy and all of that. Uh, I, I, I'm shocked that the number was as low as 50 something percent uh, buying the games and downloading them. I'm sure that's going to just I would say in five years, that number is going to be somewhere in the 80 percent of people who just don't even go to the store and buy the game. They just buy it on the console. Yeah, I think as as fiber starts getting delivered to more and more houses, that's going to go up because that's really right. what's limiting most people. Nobody wants to download four point seven gigs of data, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and tie up tie up their <laughs> tie up their right. uh, internet connection. Yeah, and them. the and the gaming companies want to want you to download it because it's harder to share that way, right. and more people have to buy, and, and there's less you can't sell back the game to GameStop or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, they, they want to be in more control of that. Let's talk about some devices that maybe parents aren't getting specifically for their kids, but their kids might use like a streaming stick or uh, a smart mm-hmm. speaker of some kind. Um, we're seeing, I mean, Amazon is making a huge push, right? Alexa for kids. Yeah. And I probably just fired off a bunch of uh, talking tubes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Google has um, Google has their uh, little... Google screen, Home, yeah. Google Home, but it doesn't have a camera right. in it, you know, which I like. Yeah. I actually like that because then you can put it in a kid's yeah. room and they don't have to. Um, these are some, these are devices as well that, that maybe, maybe you're getting a Roku or an Amazon Fire Stick. And I think a lot of times parents don't realize that, you know, if you're not careful about how you set those things up, your kids are going to be looking at some content that, <laughs> Possibly, yeah. That, that you don't want them to see, and that those are just as important to set up. Do you have any guides there, or uh, at Because Family, or is that is that again something you say? Let's check with the manufacturer and see what see what those settings are. Yeah, I'll say that I got a Chromecast because it goes from my phone, um, and so I control what goes on the screen from my device. Um, Without and you don't control the Chromecast, like they don't have anything to control the Chromecast right. themselves. There's no remote like a Roku or anything like that. So that's one of the reasons I got a Chromecast uh, because I just sync it up with my phone. Now, not everything works for that. Uh, none of the Prime stuff will work for it and all that because Amazon and Google don't like each other. <laughs> but um, if you, but we do have a Blu-ray player that has, you know, all those apps built in, and um, we just we literally just physically have to manage it ourselves. And uh, we go in with the remote and we turn on the kid mode of Netflix or whatever. And we and, and I, I do like using those because I like the content my kids are consuming to be on the big, biggest screen in the house. So all of us can see it and they're not hiding in a corner somewhere and who knows what they're looking at or how long they've been doing that. I know when my kids are watching Netflix, uh, if they turn on a show I don't approve of, I can tell the YouTube videos they're watching because they they do several youtube videos for their homeschooling uh if it if it's going to autoplay something i don't think that they should be watching i'll i'll know that you know 
um, and because it's it's on the big screen where we'll hear it and see it. But uh, but yeah, I'd say to set up the parental controls on something like a Roku and that kind of thing. Again, you want your account to be the main account, and if there, if if it's one that sets up separate accounts for your children into it, so you can just have a kid mode, then you'll want to set that underneath your main account and and go to the provider of that device for the information. So you can go to Google and, and most of the time you can just do a nice an easy Google search parental controls for Roku, parental controls for Google Chrome, parental controls or Chromebook or Chromecast, uh, parental controls for, you know, whatever it is. And uh, you'll get, and there'll be step-by-step instructions. So you'll find YouTube videos. And if I've done one, you may even find my articles and stuff. Uh, my stuff shows up pretty good in Google searches right now too. So um, yeah, I recommend, I recommend definitely getting that set up and setting it up again before they unwrap it at Christmas so that they don't know it any different. That's just how that device works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned YouTube and YouTube is kind of sneaky because those suggested videos will show up and you can end up clicking through two or three videos. And next thing you know, your kids are looking at content that you don't necessarily approve of. I, I recommend using uh, playlists that you create for them to watch ahead of time. It's really one of the only safest, one of the really the only safe ways to do that. Because if it is on autoplay, then it only autoplays what's in the playlist and then it stops. It doesn't play recommended stuff after that. And, it, and the, even if you're like in a browser, the, the section beneath that is the playlist. It's not recommended videos. Um, so, and I actually have a blog post, uh, it's called the safest way to let your kids watch YouTube or something like that. And that's, that's, I tell you how to do that on there and maybe a video even. And, um, and then I also have a blog post about how to recognize an actual like licensed YouTube channel versus one of these that is going to put, you know, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse making out at the end of a 30 second trick, you know, video that tricks you, you know, which that for some reason that exists. Yeah. And um, so, so those are there. And that's, and I recommend that like, like building that playlist so that uh, you've already pre-made what you're allowing them to watch. When you, when you put them in there to watch something on YouTube or YouTube kids or whatever, they're just watching what you've said they can watch. Um, and uh, you know what? I, to be honest, I haven't tried to build a playlist on YouTube kids cause we don't, we don't really use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube kids, we use regular YouTube and only allow the kids to watch playlists that we've set up. And even then, I usually use the Chromecast and I just create a queue because then I can know, okay, this is 20 minutes of video. And then when it's done, it'll be done. And I'll know that they've used all their time that I wanted Mm -hmm. them to watch these videos today. And so uh, so because you just build a queue in Chromecast and it just plays what you put in that queue and then nothing else at -hmm. all. And so that's how I that's how I do that. But uh, but yeah, I recommend using the playlists. And paying attention to who, where the videos are coming from. And unfortunately, you just can't trust the algorithm to, to protect the kids. And that's why we don't even use YouTube Kids. Uh, you know, I actually opened it the other day to see if I could get some worship music or something for my daughter. And it didn't even have us logged in. We'd never opened the app. We downloaded it and never opened it. And so, so yeah, uh, the playlist is really the only real safe way using, using uh, the playlist, something like Chromecast or whatever, to build a queue. And uh, then setting it up for them to sit down and watch it instead of just handing it to them and saying, go for it. You know, uh, turning on safe search can help because you can do YouTube safe search and all that. But 
it, it's not foolproof, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so any any uh, last minute advice for parents out there who uh, may, like I said, maybe they're getting a device for the very first time and they're they're giving it to their kids. Any any uh, any last minute advice uh, if they haven't done their shopping yet? Let's yeah, say. <laughs> um, I would say avoid an old hand me down. Uh, because the, the too old, I mean, cause like you said, if you have an Android and it's, it won't run anything pat, you know, newer than 4.0 or whatever, uh, then you could have a problem if you're running a, cause aren't they on nine right now? Android? Yeah. Nine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's not that far back. Um, considering every year or so they come out with a new one. So you may think your phone's fine. It's pretty new. What's the big deal? Or your tablet. But really, the, the operating system's not going to, it wasn't released for that device. And so you're not going to have Family Link as an option. And some of the newer, the better, you know, accountability or filtering softwares aren't going to work on it right, right properly. Plus, then you get into the security because it's not updating the OS and all that stuff, data and all that. So I recommend that. Be careful with how old the hand-me-downs are that you give them. And even iPhone, they they phase out some of the support on some of the older devices as well. So yeah, so so just as an example, the original Google Pixel, which came out almost three years ago now, yeah, that was that was Android seven when it when yeah. it was released. Uh, right. So so that's around where you're where, where probably around where you want to be. It's your best bet. Uh, that's about is, as far is, back as you want to go. Is about three years old, and and like you said, even yeah. with iOS, I think the iPhone. Well, the iPhone six is still supported by iOS twelve. Uh, I think. Yeah. But I have a not all, But not all <laughs> the features, though. You know? Right. So so you need to you right. need to be careful uh, about that as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and like my phone, this, my success on screen time, the password doesn't work. Password protection on the screen time app doesn't work properly. And it's just, and I did some research and stuff and it's just cause of the age of the phone, it's just the way the operating system works on the success. And so when we upgrade here in a month or so, you know, it'll be, it'll work better. But, um, and then my, my last piece of advice is more philosophical <laughs> or, pra- or, you know, than it is practical, but it's, um, we are careful not to call any of the devices. We don't say that our child, it's their device. Um, we, and it's not to manipulate or to, to rule over them in any way. It's because it makes it easier for them to accept that we have made some, but we've put restrictions on it. And you know, my oldest is going to be, or he just turned 11, uh, a few, about nine days ago, he turned 11. And so he's at the age now where, you know, and he's got, he's making some money performing at a show. And so he's got a job and he's doing some stuff like that. So he's, he's getting things that are his things and his siblings aren't allowed to mess with them and all that. And, mm-hmm. uh, so with the devices, we're, we're very clear. This isn't your phone. You know, you're able to use this phone and you kind of exclusive rights to one of these old, and it's an iPhone 4S <laughs> uh, and it only works on Wi-Fi. And it only works on the apps that we put on it. He's not able even to open the app store, but, um, and, and Google or, um, circle messes up his life all the time because it shuts him <laughs> down all the time. And so, 
but he understands because we have never said, hey, this is your phone, buddy. You get a phone now. You get to do your thing. And he's not one of those 11-year-olds who's carrying a phone everywhere he goes. It doesn't leave the house. And just him understanding that this device is something you're able to use. It's part of our family's you know, stuff. And we don't say, well, that's ours. I paid for it. We just say that belongs to all of us as a family. You get to use it a little more than everybody else because you're a little older and more responsible. But that still means we still get to, to decide in the end what happens to it and with it. And it just makes it easier to have that conversation because he's not thinking he's got this thing that belongs to him that he should be right. controlling over. So, yeah. And as he gets older and becomes a teenager, we'll have to release that more. But he's only 11. We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks uh, for joining me on this uh, live. This is our first time I've done this with another person. Yeah, this is cool. Uh, I'm glad to do it. Yeah, and uh, maybe we can do uh, more of these after uh, I recover from my shoulder surgery. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about that offline. Once again, I want to thank Michael for joining me and thanking you for listening. I really appreciate you as a listener. We just came out of Thanksgiving and we're headed into the Christmas season and the new year. So I hope that you are having a great holiday and that the gifts that you're giving your kids are safe and that they know how to safely use them. That's going to do it for this time. And I want to remind you that there are a number of ways that you can get a hold of me. Primarily, you can just send an email to feedback at thewiredhomeschool.com if you have any comments or questions about this podcast. Remember that music for the podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com and that this podcast is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. And you can find more family-friendly tech podcasts over at techpodcasts.com. That's going to do it. I'll talk to you again in December. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking me in your ears. And let's go out there and get your home schools wired. Wired.